What is disordered eating and do you have it? Great questions. I'd love to tell you, but I can only tell you what it is. It's up to you to recognize your own experience. But I will tell you this. Life doesn't begin five pounds from now. Life doesn't begin after that one last slice of cake. Life doesn't begin when you fit those old jeans again that you refuse to give away, partly because you want to fit them and partly because they prove that you once somehow suctioned your body into them through whatever miserable obstacles you had to go through, only to look at yourself in the mirror and then go, and you still didn't like how you looked. And yes, that last statement may sort of be referring to those genes that I've had for too many years to count. But I also know I'm not the only one. And you know what? Many people don't know that. Many people don't know that they're the only ones. Look, for the past 10 years, every time I've done a show on anything eating or body image related, I've received messages from countless people who always have thought that they are the only emotional eater, the only person who sees food as numbers, the only person who chews and spits to avoid extra calories going down their throat, the only person with an addiction to exercise or an addiction to healthy eating or whatever disordered eating lifestyle they lead, men, women, cisgender, non-binary gay, straight, children, teens, blue, purple, orange, pink, polka dots, every color, every person, every one. And by the by, when it comes to emotional eating, by far, I've mostly heard those reveals from men. So why is this so shocking? Because so many people sit struggling silently eating disorders, disordered eating, negative body image. I'm telling you right now, we have the saddest generation posting all of the happiest pictures. Look at me, look at me. Everyone's looking at these pictures and how many people really feel seen because they aren't even showing who they really are. Exactly. I guess I should introduce myself already. So hi, I'm Dahlia and welcome to episode 20 of Live and Help Live, where we help you get through the little moments in the day and where we help each other live better lives because a lot of people need help and together we have proven that we can make good things happen for others and when that happens, it helps you too. So yeah, I've dealt with disordered eating. Yes, I deal with body image issues. Yes, I am a human. And I've run programs for girls to help them deconstruct this fake societal construct of beauty to redefine what beauty means to each of them. I have experience. I have lived experiences. But I am not the voice of every person who has ever dealt with eating or body image issues. I can only talk about my own experience and my experience working with people who have had them and the many brave people who have shared their stories with me. So this little chatteroo here, this isn't even about solving anything, especially in a podcast episode. This is not Full House. Everything doesn't get resolved in an episode and end with a hug. It sort of ends with a hug here, but it's more of a virtual hug. But really, this isn't about any of those fixes. This is about you not being alone. And yes, as usual, this will include at least one embarrassing story about myself. 
Well, some may call it embarrassing. I call it embraceable. It's okay. You can still laugh at it. It's one of the healthiest things you can do. Yeah, laugh. Do it right now in three, two, and one. Her hair is curly. Her teeth are pearly. She's got an edge, but she's still pretty girly. Oh, oh. Nothing rhymes with Dahlia. So some years ago, I'm hosting this TV show in the Caribbean. It was supposed to come off as a travel show, but it was actually a shopping show, something to get people to shop. And part of my contract stipulated what I had to look like when I presented in public. No, no, there were no remote controls here. Nobody was choosing a channel to watch. The channel was me, a living, walking channel in public. And I had to be dressed a certain way, have my makeup and hair done, and wear a lot of jewelry that was either given to me or on loan to me to help me promote those companies selling those jewels. And aside from the image demands, let me tell you how stressful it is wearing tens of thousands of dollars in jewels that don't even belong to you. I was constantly touching myself to feel if they were still there. And I know what that sounds like. So please focus on those other things that I'm saying instead of focusing on that. But is the necklace still on? How about now? Did it happen to fall off of me without noticing while I stood in the exact same spot from which I haven't moved in the past 20 seconds? It was nerve wracking. And to think, all of these years I was able to wear the cheapest garbage earrings you could buy at a kiosk at the mall in a 10 for $10 deal. Still too much money, as my dad would say, and is certainly saying right now as he listens to this. Hi, Papa. So yes, my ears could handle those pieces of made-in-China prettily shaped junk, but 24-carat gold earrings with 1-carat diamonds? Nope. My piercings got infected. My body rejected them. But really, I was starting to reject this ideal that I had to portray, always looking a certain way, always being invited to these fancy schmancy events with the most amazing food, but being discouraged from eating the food so that I can fit in the dresses, the clothes, the image that my employers were trying to sell to you. And I had it. I couldn't take it anymore. Why would anybody want to buy that image when I can't even handle it for free? But really, at a very big cost to me, at a very big cost to my mental health and my physical health. So I quit. I left a job where I was based in Miami, traveling through the Caribbean to go back to winter in January. I had it. I couldn't handle people constantly judging my body and telling me how to present it. So pretty much in protest, I get back. I chop off my waist-long curls. Not the smartest thing to do in winter because they especially keep you warm. I stop wearing makeup. I start wearing the biggest, baggiest clothes. I even ripped off my fake nails in effigy. By the by, never rip off fake nails. Please properly remove them or you're going to have to wait months for them to heal. But I, I was done. My dream of being on TV was a nightmare. And so I see this, I see this audition notice for a popular children's TV show that's doing a North American musical theater stage tour production of its show. And you know what? Yeah, I'm going to get back into theater and 
a kid's show at that? Yes, please. I need this wholesome world more than ever before. So I audition and I land one of the main characters, a cat. In the TV version of this show, that cat is a very cuddly, juicy little nugget, a chubby little critter, and a sidekick to the lead character. This is great. Maybe I can start eating again. No one's going to see my body in that costume. And so I go for the costume fitting, and that costume really fits. You see, the director decided, you know what will make money for a kid's show? Getting dads to come watch as well. It's not enough money to make money with the kids for the kid's show, and the mothers, who were typically apparently the ones to come with them, nope, They wanted to get dads to make more money. But how do you get dads to come to a kid's show? Well, let's change the look of our chubby cat for the touring stage production. Let's have this chubby, furry, kid-friendly, non-sexual cat wear a skin-tight, skin-colored nude cat suit. Brilliant. So, okay, okay, let me get this straight. I left this world of make-believe images to go on an innocent children's musical theater fantasy world where we make believe that adorable, overly fluffy cats are sex kittens? Talk about make-believe and sexual exploitation. So one day I'm on stage at the historic Hummingbird Theatre in Toronto and in front of a packed house during a matinee and we're in the middle of our big dance number and my cat suit rips straight down my tail end and they're on display for all those dads whom they got in those seats right in front of them was my butt. And, well, you don't want underwear lines when you wear a tight cat suit, so there's that. And, well, good thing the cat suit was nude, skin color, because I'd like to think it was hard to tell that it ripped, at least six inches, maybe more. Let's not talk about it. But then, okay, I complete that number because the show must go wrong, or on, whatever it is you want to call it. And whilst I'm being sewed back into that cat suit... My director is getting upset with me for gaining weight, for gaining weight and making the cat suit rip. For gaining weight. Back to that again. Now would be a good time to point out that I was underweight when this entire experience began. And I didn't gain weight. I gained some health. And it would be unhealthy for me to lose more weight. So she is literally telling me to become less healthy. And I'm thinking, I am not overweight. And you want me to lose more weight? Seriously? Do you want me to remove a kidney? Because that's the only way I could lose more weight right now. Or, well, I could go pee, except for the fact that I am sewn into this costume right now. So no, no, I can't. Not even through the meet and greet afterwards. But a kid's show. A kid's show. Where I was safe? Where I thought I'd be safe? You know, growing up in sport, I had to be fit. 
which also meant looking fit since people confuse fitness and body size on the regular. And growing up in this world, I felt the pressures to look a certain way. Then I became a professional and those pressures were then listed in my contract, stipulated. Then I leave that world to get on a healthier track because it was too much and I go to the most innocent world I can think of, children's musical theater, and wouldn't you know, the pressure is still there. And the image that pressures people to have that very pressure that I was experiencing was the image that I was being told to portray to children. And yeah, they're dads. I'm never going to forget that line. But pretty much my whole life, I've spent looking at food as numbers and looking at exercise as points earned to pay for those edible numbers. I have spent way too much time looking in the mirror. And there came a point in my life when I thought, what would I do if my mom died tomorrow and I had to go to her funeral? And to be clear, when I had this thought, she wasn't sick. She was fine. But I wasn't fine. My mind was off. I needed to ask myself, what would I do if my best friend, whom I love dearly, who brought me into this world, had her funeral the following day, what would I do? Would I go for my workout? Or would I go to her funeral? Do you realize I asked myself this question because I didn't know if I'd be able to forsake a day going to the gym in order to go to my mom's funeral. And you know what my answer was? I'm not sure if I can go to her funeral. Actually, actually no. The real answer was, Dahlia, you have a serious problem if that's how you're thinking. To be fair, I never called myself by the name Dahlia. I just called myself out because that is a serious problem. So is talking to yourself in second person. Actually, it's not. I do it all the time. There, I just admitted that too. But all of these pressures, societal, social, internal, media, professional, all of them were too much. And I was reacting. I was coping. I was coping in my best way possible. And I've said this before, those coping mechanisms that you develop when you're going through trauma, they can become problematic when they become a part of your everyday way of life. Okay, so this brings me back to the questions I asked at the start. What is disordered eating and do you have it? Well, first, let me say, eating disorders have the highest mortality rate of any mental health issue. Specifically, anorexia is lethal. It has the highest mortality rate, period, of any mental health issue. Now, eating disorders are clinically diagnosable conditions, so they're often more recognizable. Disordered eating can be more subtle, more difficult to recognize, and more challenging to address. 
Also, disordered eating can contribute to the development and onset of an eating disorder. So this conversation is an important eye-opener or mind-opener, as it were. Anorexia, bulimia, binge eating, those familiar terms. There are also other terms that may not be so familiar to you, but maybe the behaviors are. Orthorexia, the compulsion to eat super clean and whatever you determine to be super healthy. Bigorexia, the obsession with getting bigger and bigger muscles. Chew and spit, eating food and spitting it out in an effort to avoid calories. Anorexia athletica, exercising at an obsessive pace, counting every single calorie that crosses your path, restricting foods, restricting this, restricting that something doesn't need to have a clinical diagnosis to interfere with your life. I interfere with my life all of the time and I've never heard of Dahlia being a clinical diagnosis. But seriously, this isn't about solving whatever that interference is. You see, the problem is often what it is that makes you feel alone isn't something that happens to you. It happens in you, so you can't see it. It's hard to name it, like trauma. Trauma isn't something that happens to you. It happens in you. It happens inside isolation. It doesn't mean you're isolated, but boy, it can really feel that way. So to ease those traumas, maybe you'll self-soothe and self-regulate something so unnameable and unmanageable, but that something is just in your being. And maybe it's not eating. Maybe it's restricting. Maybe it's eating a lot. Maybe it's eating and not swallowing it and spitting it out. Maybe it's exercising too much. Maybe it's eating too much. These can be self-management tools strategy tools. They can offer you a sense of control, but they can also be self-harming and self-punishing. The feeling of pain from hunger, you need to wait until 8 p.m. to allow yourself to eat, or the pain from a self-attack, those horrible things you say to yourself that you'd never say to a friend or never be friends with someone who says those sorts of things to you. Those attacks numb other pain. Maybe exercising hours on end makes you feel like you're stronger, like you have control because it is inducing you into this painful event that you are overcoming because you are doing it. Someone else isn't doing it to you, but the thing that makes you feel like you are in control can end up hijacking your autonomy and your control. You may think, I need these behaviors. It would be a real loss to lose them and scary to give them up because you feel these behaviors have some, some sort of something that's meaningful and purposeful in your life, even if no one else can see that. We all have our own triggers. And sure, thin inheritance plays a role. This inheritance from your parents' attitudes, perhaps towards their bodies, towards your body. I'll never forget when I was at the grocery store and this little boy, he couldn't have been more than five or six. He asks his mom with this package of gum in his hand, like, can I get this gum? Can I get this gum? It only has 0% fat. And she says to him, oh, sweetie, you don't have to worry about fat for another year or two. 
And it's not just your parents. It's the media. It's social media, social circles. It's touring stage productions of children's popular musical theater shows. All of these things can impact or trigger you. They can even trigger types of behaviors you might not notice or may notice, but they give you that structure that makes you feel safe enough to hang on to them at no matter what detriment. Disordered eating or behaviors, these are not choices. They are necessities based on compulsive attitudes that are fueled by these emotional desires. They may have negative consequences for you. They can lead to malnutrition and various health problems, and they are likely to be maintained out of that need, again, to soothe yourself, to blunt emotion, to regulate emotion, and feel something of achievement, feel something of efficacy in your life. But anxiety, depression, low self-esteem, a need to be accepted, or other psychological implantations that give you this inability to cope with your emotions. They're all the same as the physical dangers and complications associated with having an eating disorder. These behaviors can interfere with work, school, the ability to socialize your potential. They can also become part of an identity that you feel set them apart. And suddenly you have these difficulties with relationships because people can't relate to this mentality that you have. And when it comes to disordered eating or how you treat your body, you need to ask yourself these questions because it is so hard to see it if you have it. Because this is what you are using to get through life. This is part of your survival mode. So you need to ask yourself this, how does this save you? How does this service you? How does this get in the way? And think about that. And you won't be the only one thinking about that. And yes, it didn't take too long before I quit that stage production of that kid show. And then I started my own program, a program to help prevent this from happening to young people today. But then I realized, oh my goodness, this is already happening. And I didn't even realize that the other things they were doing were things I never even heard about. Like girls who were cutting themselves. It went beyond starving. It went to torturing in other ways, the things they were doing. And so I created this program called Bye Bye Barbie for young girls to deconstruct this idea of beauty and reconstruct what it meant to each of them. And these were things that they were too fearful to talk about with their parents. So they started by talking about them with me. And then they were able to turn it into a performance that they could share with anybody. This idea of beauty and how they reconstructed it, deconstructed it first, then reconstructed it, what it meant to each of them, mixing theater and performance with this introspection, knowledge, dissemination. The girls would create these humorous or poignant skits that would represent the world they saw and the way they wished the world would be. And I will never forget our first big show because these were 
10 to 13 year old girls and they put on a show for a room full of boys the same age and after the performance a boy maybe he's like 12 years old he walks by me he's talking with one of his friends and he says whoa I'm never making fun of a girl's body again and that that has got to be one of the most memorable moments in my life, the power that those young girls had, the power that you have is so much more than you realize. And you know what? Five pounds up, five pounds down, makeup, no makeup, massive chin pimple, no massive chin pimple, Fozzie Bear always loves me. My little puppet Muppet mini golden doodle rescue always loves me the same. Actually, I say the same, but it's probably more and more each time. I love him more and more each time. And that is true love. And that is how I aim to love myself the way he loves me. And so this is not a one size fits all. This is about you. Maybe if you're aware, maybe if you feel seen, maybe if you get that you have value, that's where your healing can begin. That's where you can find more strength to heal. And the fact that you're here listening to this, no matter what your struggles, you are proving that your strength is greater than your struggles because you're here. So just at that point, when I say because you're here, I'm now sort of like kicking you out because I'm thanking you for dropping by the Neighboralia. And please leave a review wherever you listen to this. It just helps people find the podcast more easily. Don't think of me as kicking you out right now. Think of me as having to go get a drink of water and do other things, maybe eat supper, that sort of stuff. And really, I just want to help people live and help live. And since you're here, I'm pretty sure you'd like to do that too. Oh, and if you missed my chat on Instagram Live with Gabor Mate's son, Daniel Mate, make sure to check that out and maybe subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss conversations like that again. Thank you very much. And until next time, if you want to say hi or help or whatever you need, just reach out to me on TikTok at Dahlia Kurtz, because if you say it to yourself, I really won't hear it. Now go, and please don't wait even one more pound. Just go, live, and help live. Oh, oh, nothing rhymes with Dahlia. Nothing rhymes with Dahlia. Nothing rhymes with Dahlia. Neighboralia.